This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to show up and build a presence with your audience, whatever that might look like for you. We talk a ton about personal brand on this show. And as a side note, if you've not checked out our previous episodes on that, do so before starting this episode. And as part of the work we do on personal brand and through our coaching, we talk a lot about what it means to show up, have a presence, and make yourself memorable. This can also be in person, it can be on screen, it can be on video, it all applies here. So we know the world we're in right now, sometimes we're in person, sometimes we're not, big audience, conference room, anywhere that you have to stand up and show up, that's what we're talking about. And before we jump into the episode, we have a very special guest today, Carrie Murphy of Inspired Living and host of the annual Brilliant Conference, which is happening this year, September 20th to 22nd. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. Of course. We're excited to jump in. All right. So let's talk about how to show up, have a presence, and make yourself memorable. Let's do it. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, define why you. So at the beginning, I talked about personal brand, and we say about branding in general that we need to get figure out how you get someone to choose you more often indefinitely. And that happens through answering three questions. So who are you? Why would someone want you? And how are you different? And that defines the why someone would want to choose you. And there's so much content out there to be consumed today, so much noise, our natural tendencies to compare ourselves to others, striving per- for perfection, especially when we're standing up in front of people, right? We're super conscious of how we're showing up, how we look, how we're coming across, are we confident enough? And screens actually add another dynamic that can make people uncomfortable because if you haven't been in that situation before, even if you're a great speaker without the screen, sometimes it can be be really easy to freeze up and feel uncomfortable because it's something new. So we say when you define why you, you want to be authentic to who you are, be transparently who you are and own it, and really think about coming from a place of your values in order to tell your story. So what do you offer that no one does better than you? And Carrie, I know you have tons to say on this topic based on our conversations and also just your history of being up in front of people for 30 plus years. Oh, gosh, you did say 30 plus years. Yes, it has been. A <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, we talk about our 35 plus years. So we, you know, we, we, no, we get it. <laughs> all good. No, I love it. Um, and, you know, everything that you just said, of course, is so spot on. It is so easy to get caught up in our ego and ego, not, not meaning that to be a bad thing. We all have it. It's mm-hmm. here to protect us. It's that fight or flight, right? But When it comes to building a presence and building an audience, I think it is so important that you do understand from a really place of inner knowing why you. And so we have our clients do exercises like write out experience and credentials and because there is so much noise, right? Whether you're in person or you're online, there is someone already sharing your content because there's nothing new in the world, really, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot of (laughs) new content. Yes. So it's all about how you do it and how you show up. And if you're constantly trying to be something you're not, you're stuck in that perfection paralysis, or you're just trying to copy what the next influencer air quotes are doing, you know, it's really hard to cut through the noise, ladies. So I love, again, everything that you stand for and everything that you just said. And I think as someone's listening right now to really breathe in that their desire is part of their calling. And the more you try to be something you're not, the tougher it is to build the audience. So to give yourself permission to be all of you, your flaws, flubs, all of it, because that's what makes you endearing. It's what makes someone connect with you. And it's the only thing that you can't duplicate. Yeah, I I think that's a a really good point. And sometimes I think people get really overwhelmed with trying to figure out exactly what that should be. So I have a tool that's actually not mine. I got it from Tom Bilyeu, who um, is another awesome uh, podcaster. So there you go. Content being reused. Yeah, content being reused. I mean, (laughs) hey. You know, when it it works, it works. And he gives a tip, and I found this really, really useful, to fill in the following sentence. I want to be known as a person who. 
and then fill in that blank. And that like external like lens kind of helps you refine what is meaningful to you. Like when you talked about the values and you talked about, um, you know, the authentic you, it helps you understand like how you need to show up in a way that makes you feel confident and makes and ensures that what you bring to the table, your talents is something that is going to be conveyed. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And I, I think that is, it's like, I want to be known for, I want to impact people's lives this way. Um, my core message is, or my core value is, and when you start getting up on stage or you start being more visible in your business, remembering that and understanding that even when you're on a stage and there might be thousands out in the audience or you're on camera, it all comes down to knowing that one person you're speaking to. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been teaching on camera video training for over a decade to entrepreneurs around the world. And when they get that one thing that, look, you are speaking to one person at a time, stop trying to catch the ocean. Like <laughs> you need to know who you're talking to and why you're the person delivering the message. And then people start seeking you out and it becomes like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I just got asked to be on this stage or I'm asked to be on this podcast. And again, that's where you can get rid of that comparison you know, analysis and trying to be what everyone else is doing is really understanding that one person that you're trying to reach. Yeah. And I think that's a great segue into the second point here, which is deciding who you are talking to. And I think your point is well made, Carrie, that it is what you're doing. And then in addition to who you are talking to, and we always talk about, you know, you can't boil the ocean, you can't be everything Mm -hmm. to everybody, you have to select that single audience. And you know, when you and I chatted, it really resonated with me that idea of talking to a single person. And I think that that's really good advice. Because if you can drill down and picture that person in your head when you're talking, That, I think, assists in building the right presence because then you can kind of block out that there's an audience Mm -hmm. of however many are there and just speak directly to that one person. And I also like the point you made in the previous about owning your flubs and all of that kind of stuff and how authentic that becomes, right? Because I think the other thing that can happen is people put so much pressure on themselves, so they're going to make those flubs even more. And then they reach a point of paralysis because they can't recover fast enough when that happens. And so I think these high-intensity situations can really be alleviated by answering the why you, but then identifying who you're talking to and what they want to hear from you. And it's not in a way of trying to sell necessarily. It's about being authentic in your message and delivering it in a way that they want to hear. So that one person at a time, you want that level of intimacy and connection and commitment. And you want every person in that audience to feel that way with you as if you're talking to just them. And if they're the right audience, right, they should, in fact, feel that from you. Yeah, I mean, a thousand percent when I'm working with my clients on camera and they kind of look like they're like the deer in headlights, (laughs) I will say to them, who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. And they say every single time, I don't know. I'm like, I know you don't know because you're stuck on your words instead of in your heart. And I say so much, ladies, you can't be in your head and your heart at the same time um, unless unless you're a professional trained, I say, quote, talent actor, someone who has a lot of years of experience. I'm not a fan of writing out scripts. I'm not a fan of prompters. I feel like when you know your person, the best compliment you can ever get, whether you're on stage, on a podcast, doing a video, is when someone comes up to you and says, oh, my gosh, like you were talking to me, like everything that you said, I felt like you were literally repeating what was going on in my mind. I mean, how powerful is that to building a presence? And when you think about the flubs and the mess ups and all of the things, that's what makes you relatable. And people need to see you as the guide to where they want to go. So if you're this perfectly coiffed, put together, always look amazing, always say everything perfectly, like they'll admire you, but they won't work with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really important that you do own your flubs. I mean, you look at Gary Vee, and he's just such a great example of someone who could care less, does not give a far fig nougan whether or not <laughs> you like him or you don't. He doesn't care, but I'll tell you, look how big his audience is because of that. So I feel like when, especially women, when we can strip past the veneer of needing to look good and be good and sound good. And we just decide to be all that we are. It's amazing what happens 
in your business and in the exposure and in that positioning piece. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Actually, I just threw a April podcast this week uh, with Gary Vee because we have some really good discussions about him in general, but you're right. He owns his presence and, and he unabashedly does so, but he, it always comes up from a place of wanting to help, right? It, it, it So it yes. comes from a good place. And when you can tune into that, you can, some, you could get over some of the, um, the, the brashness, <laughs> the edginess, the F-bomb, some of that stuff that might kind of like hit you like, oh my goodness. And he actually acknowledges that and realizes that he can be a lot, you know, and he says yeah. that he says a lot. I'm like, I know I'm a lot. I'm not, I'm not for everybody, but I'm for the person that, you know, that I'm, you know, that I'm talking to here that like gets what I'm saying and, and finds it useful. And I think what he does so brilliantly in that, and I think that really, really helps is that he acknowledges his audience, right? A lot of times yes. when we have a presence and we're speaking and whether it's in a meeting or in front of people or to camera, we get so wrapped up and you call it like the head, but I'm like, I just like, it's just so wrapped up in yourself, right? It's kind of like, you know, um, you're so busy trying to figure out what you're going to say that you forget to acknowledge that your audience audience that you're actually talking to and actually verbally acknowledging them, whether it's in a room where you have multiple people, where you say you connect it back to what somebody else said. So they they know that they were heard and it's not just you waiting for your turn to talk, or it's like from the context of, um, being able to acknowledge some sort of um, statement of of your audience in general, so they feel heard. So being mm-hmm. like cognizant of the fact that you know bringing your audience in, I think is so critically important. And I I notice that even like in when I go to a concert, like mm-hmm. you can tell like what musicians know who where they are, and what musicians are just up there singing the same stuff, right. going through the same motions, you know, time and time again. And so that becomes a really important way of being able to make it like very united and making your message really, really resonate. I totally agree with you. And I love that, you know, it, when we talk about Gary and he's one of many people who I can think of, but you know, he owns who he is, but you could also tell that he comes from a place of authenticity. He's not trying to be something. It is who he is. And he will say, I'm not for everyone. And what a relief to say to yourself, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not my message isn't going to re- relate with everyone. Not everyone's going to like me. Not everyone's going to, you know, give me hearts and emojis and you know, <laughs> comment on my stuff. Like, and it's and it's actually okay. It's okay. And I think if you're really um, committed, you know, to impacting lives and building a brand and making a difference, then you do have to stop caring about what everyone else thinks about you and be more committed to serving the right people. Well, when you and I talked, you know, we talked about it's not about ego, it's about service. And I think the reason that Gary Vee is so polarizing, and, and he is sometimes for me too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I like what he stands for. There's sometimes where I feel like my head's tilting a little and I'm like, oh, he got really <laughs> high pitched and I'm not sure I can like stay with him here. But when you really think about who he is, you might assume if you only hear him, you know, surface level that it's about him, it's about his ego, it's about him, you know, expounding on all these topics that he thinks he knows. But like when you hear his story and you hear him talk about it from that place, you understand that he is coming from a place of service and wanting to help others and that people did that for him and he's paying that back. And I think there is that generosity of spirit and that authenticity that you just mentioned in him. Yes. Agreed. With that, let's go to the number three. Look your most confident. And we we started touching on this a little bit with, you know, being perfectly coiffed and and, you know, being someone that always looks perfect, says everything perfect. That's not actually what we're talking about here. This is about getting out of your own head or yourself, as Anne likes to say, Mm -hmm. um, and stop worrying about everything. And I I think, you know, and Carrie, you and I talked about this and Anne, you and I talk about this as as women. We worry about this, I think, more than men. We worry about our weight. Mm-hmm. We worry about how our hair looks. We worry how we're going to you know, show up on the screen and that whole idea of the, the camera adds 10 pounds and all these things that I think go through all of our heads. And it becomes really overwhelming. And so there is a need to focus on where and when and how you feel the most confident. And yes, this is how you look. That does play into it, right? Because that is your personal brand. That is part of your Mm -hmm. presence. You can't show up looking like absolute crap and then think (laughs) that you're going to perform well, right? But there's the other side of that, which is 
being true to yourself, embracing your style, knowing the occasion, knowing the audience, knowing how you want to show up. And there are some of us, right, and especially during COVID, that we're very confident in leggings. We're not <laughs> saying that you should wear those if you're going to appear on camera, right? There is a, a role of doing your hair nicely, wearing makeup, jewelry, but but doing it in a way of what feels most confident and authentic to you, not the way that you think that you should show up. So I'll give a personal anecdote here, and, and then I'll let Ann and Carrie talk. But I was known in the agency for being the one to wear the four-inch heels everywhere. And it came from a complex of being that I was 5'2", and so I've always been the short up, one. Just knowing how clumsy you are. Um, still... Yeah, and I'm very, very clumsy, right? <laughs> you just survived and so, break like every bone in your body. <laughs> to the point of being authentically who I was in those four-inch heels, one of the many situations that happened to me in front of a room was I caught those four-inch heels on a bag of a client in front of 35 FedEx executives. And the only reason I didn't hit the ground is because my coworker at the time caught me. And oh. so <laughs> that's one situation, right, where I had to recover and recover myself and go on with the presentation. And of course, everyone is like leaping out of their chair, right? It's just the human tendency, like, are you okay? Are you, you know, and so we had to get back to brass tacks. I had to turn down the red on my face and keep on moving. <laughs> and so there, you know, I should have probably rethought those four inch heels much sooner than I did, because like I said, there were a string of those situations. But after having two kids and ruining the arcs of my feet from running from all these years, I do wedges and I've had to change <laughs> that about me. And so I think, you know, I say that that just in a way of like, you want to make sure you show up and look good. But I do wish I could tell my younger self, like, sister, you did not need to wear those four-inch heels. <laughs> and you probably did yourself some disservices. And when I stand up now, I'm super comfortable in those wedges. <laughs> wedges are good. They are good. It's easy for people to look at me and make a lot of assumptions. I grew up in a very glamorous family. My grandmother was a singer and a model. And even though she was probably five foot nothing, she looked like Marilyn Monroe, like stunning. And then I remember going through this little modeling and acting school when I was 11. And ladies, do we remember 11? Like, <laughs> it's a little awkward. Uh, yeah. A little, a little <laughs> awkward, right? So you're not sure who you are. Sixth grade. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I mean, boobs, hips. I'm Italian. Like, you know, I, I'm wanting to be a supermodel and my hips are growing faster than my height. Anyway, the whole point of me sharing this is because I, I do love looking a certain way. I like a lash. I love, I remember I was 11, no, I was like 13. And I asked my mom, can I please wear eyeliner? You know? And so <laughs> you won't catch me without my eyeliner, mm -hmm. but I also, you will also catch me out in a baseball hat with my kids and, um, but I, going back to kind of the whole conversation that we're having, ladies, is just how important it is to be comfortable in your own skin that, you know, if you're going to put on lashes and you hate them and your eyes are twitching and it doesn't feel right to you, then that is inauthentic and we're not going to connect with that. And it's really easy to look at this Kardashian culture and be like, I don't look like that. And by the way, the amount of Photoshop and filters and all the things to make those people look that way, it is smoke and mirrors. And so mm -hmm. you just have to figure out what makes me feel good. You know, does the extensions and the Botox make you feel amazing? Then go for it. If you don't want any of that and you want to wear your hair in a bun and be you, like, again, go, kind of going back to the whole conversation here, ladies, that we keep looking at all these different people in this crazy world and we, we constantly compare and I know that as women, we want to feel beautiful. And yet what we measure ourselves up to sometimes is such false measurements. And, you know, it's this um, vanity metrics. And this is from Shaw Wozman, who I love. She said, um, vanity metrics versus sanity metrics. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. That was so good because what are we holding ourselves to? What standards? And so if you love those four inch heels in your younger life and you're like, hell no, I am not wearing those anymore, but <laughs> they, served, they served you for a minute, you yep. know? And so I think to know yourself, to know your body, I know for me, a wrap dress looks amazing. Other things I cannot wear, you know, and you just have to just know yourself and be like, this is the body, the face, God, universe, whatever has given me. I, I'm going to do what I need to do to feel good. But the minute you get on stage, the minute you press record, it's not about you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key is that what you look like does does not at all reflect 
the impact, the money, all the things. And there are so many examples, right, that we can talk about when it comes to that. But I always say Oprah was told she didn't have a face for TV. Like, imagine <laughs> if she listened. Really, though, think about no, that. No, I, I hear you. For a minute. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting. And I, I think you guys both brought up a really good point is that you really need to give yourself the okay to indulge in the things too that make you feel good. Like you said, Carrie, if it's the Botox, go do it. Me and April, we love to get our nails done. I mean, I make it, it's you could look at it, you could say that's just so frivolous, but it makes me feel better that, you know, my nails are done because they tend to um, flake on me. And, and I just don't feel like it's very professional, especially since I'm Italian, too. And I love to talk with my hands. So if I'm talking with my mm-hmm. hands, my nails better look good. Yeah, people see them. Yeah, because yep. people are going to see them. And, you know, so I and, and I used to wear the three inches. I didn't go to four inch. Well, maybe the one platforms were because they made <laughs> me feel good, you know, walking down. But I always used to say, hey, these heels are to be looked at, not walked in. So I used mm-hmm. to bring, like, if I had to go to the other side of PNG, I used to bring my flats and, and I wear my flip flops on the other side. I'd show up to a meeting. And they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, my heels are back where my like desk is because they're just <laughs> they're meant for like a like ten foot radius. Like that's about it, right. you know. Right. Um, you know, so you know, but those are just the things, and it has and it has to be okay. Like, and I think that's the things that sometimes we just like talk about it to ourselves, like you know that it's frivolous. Um, and I just think that we need to get over that. Like, I, I mean, another example is like, I know me and April and April actually even posted about it. we get facials every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes us feel good. It makes our skin look good and, and radiate. And we're getting a little bit older, me getting a little bit older, I'm a little bit ahead oh, of April. I'm getting older too. But you know, it's like, you know, you, you just, you do those things. And, but it's not because out of vanity and it's not because of the way we think we need to look for somebody else. It's because it makes us feel good and makes us feel confident in our skin so that when we show up, we can show up at our best. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I was just going to say that, isn't it funny how we tend to apologize for those things? Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, I, I, I get a facial once a month. I am so sorry. I need to make an excuse as to why I want to do that. Or I want to get my nails done, or I want to get a massage, or I like to get my hair done or whatever it is, my lash extensions, whatever someone does. Like we, why is that a bad thing. Why do we have to guilt and shame ourselves and be like, oh my gosh, this is so frivolous. Now, granted, we are very fortunate to have access to those things mm-hmm. and we don't want to forget that. But if it makes you feel good and when you feel good, you be good, like there's you don't need to apologize. Own yeah, it. I agree. And if and if you're a man, I've seen a ton of men in the salon getting their nails done. Yep. And getting, and getting their pedicures and That's stuff like right. that. I'm like, you know, so guys, you don't have to feel shame about those things either. I mean, it's it's important. So I just wanted to make sure that we We're acknowledge inclusive. the guys too. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, and I think that leads nicely into the fourth point, which is stop worrying what other people think. And mm. this is a big one, and it's male and female, I would say. Um, Carrie, I loved, and I'm going to steal this from now on, the, the Dr. Seuss quote that I guess then technically you stole. But it's none of your business what other people think of you. Yes. And I think that's such a good way to think about it, because if you can turn that off, it's such an energy suck. It's such a time suck. It takes your confidence, I think, faster than almost anything else. And the only way you can be authentically you and speak to that audience that we talked about and look your most confident and really show up with that presence, which is the whole point of this episode, is to get rid of that talk track that starts you down the path of worrying about what other people think or are saying of you, et cetera, et cetera. And I think another part of that, too, is when you start to build a presence, you know that there are going to be people out there that just don't like you, right? We talked about Gary V. He's a very polarizing person. But I mean, for all of us, there are people that we don't jive with. There are people that don't jive mm-hmm. with us. And I think, unfortunately, in the digital world we're in, it's a lot easier for people to provide negative feedback mm-hmm. versus those positive affirmations. And not that they don't happen. That's not. I'm not trying to make a generalization here. But I think we're already hard on ourselves. People can be really harsh, and complaining is easier than being positive. And mm-hmm. so I think when you think of all of that, it is really difficult. But if you just make a promise to yourself to stop worrying about what other people think and then put in, into practice that ability to stop when that track starts in your head, you're so much better off for it. I think that it is one of the biggest robbers of joy 
mm-hmm. you know, and when we spend time focusing on what are people going to think? What if they don't like me? What if someone says something bad? What if I say something wrong? And we go down this rabbit hole, right? I call it the monkey chatter. Um, <laughs> it is, it's such a thief because yeah. it's truly, it's, first of all, it's not real and, you know, hurt people hurt, sad people are sad, mean people are mean like you know so it's like the people who who do comment or say something negative now if it's a constructive thing and you can learn from it amazing take that and run with it but if it's just a troll being a troll like why are you giving that troll your energy Mm -hmm. when you could be focusing on something so much greater and i know it sounds so easy and i know it's harder than it sounds but when we can truly you know adapt the dr seuss methodology of, you know, what people think about you is none of your business. Your job is to go help one person today. Your job is to show up for the people who need you and stop putting energy into the people who don't. I'll tell you, it just frees up so much energy. You become more confident and, you know, hello, delete and bless, bless and remove. Like, thank you. I don't need you in my life. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to delete this comment, ban this person and move on. I'll tell you, Brene Brown, you know, she posts a lot of great things and she'll say, look, if you want to post something constructive, I'm all in. I'm happy to have a, you know, conversation or a dialogue about this. If you're going to be a troll or you're going to be an ass, um, I'm blocking you and the conversation's over, you know? So mm-hmm. I just love how she shows up and sets that framework for people. Yeah. And I think if we need to set that framework for ourselves, too, and set those expectations with the engagements that we have with, with others, um, both in the way that we um, teach people how to treat us, but also in the way that we engage with others. And I, I think what I've learned, and, and I have two daughters, and one's going to be a senior in high school, one's going to be a freshman in high school. And, and, and I think it goes even back to when we were so little and this again is a not just a female thing but i think females really internalize this kind of stuff is that it's not about you like 99% of the time it absolutely doesn't even have anything to do with you it's something to do with them that they're not processing through you're internalizing it to be about you because we're all meaning making machines and so as soon as somebody mm-hmm. says something we want it to mean something and 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 automatically you know if you're a very empathetic or you know sensitive person you kind of take it to be very very personal and i you constantly have to and i you know and i, I have this exercise with my daughter it's easier to do it on them than it is to do it on myself frankly but um you know you, you have to say like well why do you think that way like what made you think that way well they said this and i'm like Okay, so they said that um, they were busy today. Maybe they're just busy, <laughs> and maybe it's not about you, you know. And I and but you know, you you could take that to mean so many different things. So I think it's really important that um, you know you you, you kind of compartmentalize the fact that there's a lot of stuff going on that you have no idea what it what's going on with that person mm-hmm. or how they're feeling or what made them go there. And, you know, if you to constantly internalize and take that on, you it's like it's the biggest depletion of energy and you just can't you just can't go there or you will just constantly in a, be in a state of swirl and that's where you'll stay. Yeah, we all walk around with our own BS, right? And that's mm-hmm. our belief systems. And and our belief system, sometimes something can someone can say something or post something and it just triggers something that has nothing to do with you or, you know, we never know what's happening in people's lives. And I think what this last year has really shown us is that there are so many people going through things that you may or may not know. And so I think empathy is important. And mm-hmm. then I think clarity and, and keeping, I know that sounds a little woo, but I'm all about energy. Like cleaning up your energy field, like yep. what's depleting you, what's, what's plugging you in, um, as an entrepreneur, you know, I think there's nothing more important than keeping that energy field clean and safe and inspiring, um, hence inspired living, you know? So yep. I think, you know, Good there's going to be people. Thank you very much. I think that <laughs> even family members and people who love us sometimes will say things or comment on things that but they, they do it out of their own belief systems or their mm-hmm, own yeah. fear or their own level of scarcity. And that's what we have to remember is that so often it's not about, like you said, it's not about what we say or how we showed up. It's just a trigger for something deeper within themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that is super well said. Yeah, And I think you. you're right. Sometimes I think it's important to note that it can be it can come from people that are the closest to us. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So just to summarize a bit. Here are the four points to show up, have a presence, and make yourself memorable. Number one, define why you. What do you uniquely do better than anybody else? Number two, 
Decide who you're talking to. Who will you serve? Be specific and talk to a single person. Number three, look your most confident. Use your looks to help you feel your best. Don't try to be too perfect. Number four, stop worrying about what other people think. Treat that thought as if it's none of your business. And with that, we're going to go into our next segment, which is in the trenches. And this is where we give real-world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad applications so that anyone listening, no matter who they are, what situation they're in, what job they have, no matter what, they can digest it and put it into action immediately. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. And that this first one will actually help everyone do that, I think. (laughs) So number one, each of you give good and bad examples of showing up with presence in your careers. So I can go first here. I feel like I already kind of started this off uh, in other points. But I will say um, the first time that I had started a new department at an agency and was selling in brand strategy when it had typically been more of a downstream advertising agency. And I was the person in the room going up against the CEO who was the type of guy that wanted to catch you, right? I mean, you knew it. You could see him coming from a million miles away. He was going to poke, poke, poke into every detail that I said, every case study, every example. Luckily, they were my case studies and my examples, (laughs) and I had all the specifics. But I look back on that moment, and it was the proudest moment in my career because I showed up, yes, confidently, but I was very prepared, and I was very authentic to myself. And what I mean by that is in poking and prodding, I think it's easy to do all the things we've talked about today, get nervous, get yourself all tripped up. Um, start to worry about what he's thinking about you in the moment, trying to figure out why he's doing this. Is he playing a mind game? All of those types of things. And I remember a critical point when he started to really poke. And, and I remember my coworker looking at me with the really big eyes <laughs> in the room. And I knew that everyone was feeling the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on the hot seat. But you know what? I did this work. I know this work. I should be able to sell it. I was in this particular project I was talking about for over a year. And so I just took a deep deep breath and I calmly answered everything he asked. And when he did poke at me, I just very objectively stated the answer. And at the end of it, he gave us the contract. And I just felt like I had, I mean, I felt like I had run a marathon and (laughs) I I mean, and I've run a marathon, so I actually do know what that feels like. But I mean, it was almost three hour discussion and a lot of it was just me and him going back and forth, but we did it. And, And I think that I look at that moment as proud because I did the right things, the things that we're talking about today, and I did them well in a really tough situation. So that's my good one. My bad one, and I already kind of alluded to this with the the heel situation, is that I used to have really bad rosacea, part of the reason for the facials. But when the rosacea would flare would be when I got in situations where I was uncomfortable, and it was very much of a tell for me. And so I've always been a go-getter in my career, and so I would sign myself up for things sometimes that probably I wasn't very qualified for, and my face would turn really red when I would get up to present. And not to say that doesn't still happen, but it it was a real mind game for me within my own head because I started doing the things that we said not to do, like thinking about, oh gosh, they know I'm nervous because my face is really red in this meeting, and does everyone see it right now, and what are they thinking is wrong with me, and then my face would just get redder, and I it, it just was like a self-fulfilling prophecy of not feeling very confident in the moment. And so I had to work really hard and learn that that was a symptom of not being able to calm myself down and working Mm. through that and knowing that that's what it was, owning it, and then getting out of my own head, honestly, in the situations. But it probably took me three or four solid years in that kind of like middle timeframe of your career where 
you know a lot and sometimes you know too much in one area and not enough in another. So you sort of are fumbling along anyway. I was in it and I was having these situations all the time. And so to all of our points about owning things, you know, showing up the right way, figuring out what your issues are and working on them. That's what I had to do in that situation. And then God bless the makeup client that came along in my career that is very good at covering up. Jane Iredale taught me everything I know about how to cover up rosacea. So I'm good, but those flare-ups don't happen as often anymore. So there you go. Carrie, what about you? Oh, those are so good. You know, I'm I'm thinking about all, you know, starting off so young in the entertainment. Gosh, I think about the presence and and where I started. But I will say there there was a pivotal time when I closed my talent agency and I moved out to Los Angeles and I was um, pursuing a full-time hosting uh, career that lasted very shortly because I'm an entrepreneur and I can't wait for someone to give me a job. But I remember <laughs> when I started Inspired Living, and it was all things for all people. I mean, when you came to the website, it was health and fitness and relationships. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people become a specialist in their industry. But when I think back to my presence then, um, from the like super glamorous host photos to more of the talking head on camera, like I feel like I've evolved so much in the last 11 years. Just I was a single mom and now I'm I'm a mom at 46 to, to a, a year and a half. And I think as you get older, the facade that you feel you have to put out, I, I, I like to think, starts to fall away. Yeah. And I feel like early on in my career um, or in this company, I was very much that talking head um, because that was what I came from. Like if you come from corporate, you speak corporate. Like I was a, a TV host and I always felt like I had to be perfect and, and all the things we've talked about. So I'm such an example of someone who's walked that path and the veneer is stripped. Like I literally do not care what someone thinks about me, but I do. I mean, come on, I have a heart, I have a pulse, like we do care, but I'm just so committed to serve. And I will say looking at that version of who I was and who I am today, um, I so much like this version, wrinkles and all, you know, it's just, there's a level of transparency that I bring now that I don't think I could share back then, you know? And I think that just comes from knowing yourself. I've done a ton of personal development and inner growth, but I always say what you do on the inside is what you project on the outside. And so it's not as specific because I've been an entrepreneur since I was 23. And so for me, I feel like my presence has always been pretty authentic, but man, have there been like bad hair days and bad decisions? Absolutely. But <laughs> as far as just who I was being, you know, when I launched Inspired Living in 2011, coming off the hosting career and like, I need to be on camera this way versus who I am today and the impact I'm able to have because I don't have that anymore. Uh, I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but that's, that's where I feel the presence has changed. Mm. Yeah, and I, I I agree. I mean, one thing I think you said there that I think is so important is that as we age in our career, I think if you are doing it right and you really want to live in your authentic place, that veneer does start to chip away. And yeah. the best people or the people that I admire most or, or want to be like or whatever are those people that I gravitate to because they've aged well. And I don't mean that from a look perspective. I mean that purely from who they are. And mm -hmm. you can see where they came from. And, you know, you, you understand, again, like everybody makes blunders and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just think it makes it so much easier to connect. And I think there is something that happens as we age where we just feel more comfortable being me. Well, I think being it's, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. yeah, that's fair too. <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think it's the experience of it all, right? It's like when you're first starting out, everything feels like it's such a monumental undertaking. Yes. Like it's like life or death. And I, rem <laughs> I yes. remember bringing in new people to the company and, you know, and they would make like one little mistake and they thought there were careers coming to the end. I'm like, Pah! I I I I could I have you beat like you know and I, but I think you get to the point where you're like you realize it isn't such a big deal and you and you grow a reputation that kind of like transcends one little thing that happens or you um it, it, and you have a credibility and it that people want to to seek out and you can like live into that and and when you're young you just don't have that yet that's you true. know so right. I think that's kind of as we get older we give ourselves a little bit more of a permission to kind of have some of that off time because 
we've done so much and we've really filled the bank of like the value that we've added to people. And I think that's totally fine. And that's one of the graces of being able to, uh, to, as you said, to, to age well um, in both as a, a person and, bo- and in your career as well. All right, your turn, Anne. Oh, it's You're my turn. You're not getting okay. off the hook. All right. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> funny as it sounds, um, I love to debate with groups of people. Like, I don't have a problem speaking up in meetings at all. I just hate standing up in front of people and, and like, talking when, like, all eyes are on me. Mm. Like, that was, like, the hardest thing for me to to adjust to. And it wasn't because I didn't feel confident. And it wasn't because I didn't know my stuff. It's just, it was just that, like, natural, like, visceral reaction yeah. to having, you know, everything on me, all the attention on me, all the eyes on me. And so well, a lot of times when that happens, every, you know, people's body temperature rises. Mine actually drops. So I actually get cold and I almost have a shivering, like, you know, it, mm-hmm. it happens. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And so my voice starts to shake and I can feel it and I can hear it. I'm like, my voice is shaking. They think I'm really nervous. I'm not, though. I'm like, I'm OK. I'm like, I'm confident. I'm, yes, I'm standing in front of people, but I've already did my breathing. I'm relaxed. I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. Why is my voice shaking? And there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. So this happened to me, actually, um, when I went and I did um, the TEDx auditions, um, because again, I, not only am I scared about like speaking in in front of people in that way. I've, obviously, I've gotten over it. I do a lot of speaking now, um, but um, I hate memorizing stuff. Yeah. So like the whole idea of like TEDx or TED in general, where you're supposed to memorize something for like 15 minutes, and you have very minimal slides. I'm like terrified me to death. Even when I was little, <laughs> I played the violin. And you're supposed to memorize all the music. I refused. I refused. And my, my instructor said, when I go into competition, he'd be like, it would really look better if you memorize the music. I'm like, I don't care because I don't want to get lost in, you know, not know where I'm at. And then, you know, like, no, I was just terrified of it. So this was probably the most scariest thing I ever had to do. I, I But I rehearsed it. I practiced it. I knew my stuff. I had my stories. I was ready to go. I got in my room, in the room, all dressed out in my Red pants, because my red pants are my power confident pants. My red lipstick, because that's my like the, the look I have. I have my comfortable shoes on, although they're still stylish, because I knew I was going to be standing, and I didn't want to be all wobbly and on my three-inch heels and stuff like that. So I was all prepared, and my voice starts shaking. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I, I said more words than that, but we're trying to keep this, you know, from the explicit, like, E thing. <laughs> but um, I was like, I can't believe it. My voice is shaking. I'm like... But I just I had powered through. I delivered it. I I, I I mean and I kept like the um the whole emotion behind it. I and I didn't let it face me and I was so proud of myself getting done with that. that even though my voice was shaking, I know I delivered my message. Um but I was still like, why does that happen? So I obviously been di- kind of diagnosing that from you know from that point on. But um I was that was my, that was probably my good one. That was like where I felt like I showed up, even though I had that little glitch, I kept on, mm-hmm. I kept on moving. So I would say the one that I didn't show up well, and I think this is a lesson um, for folks, and um, it, it's going to sound like we're kind of talking out of both sides of our mouths, but I think it's really important to say, when I was, I went to a meeting and um, our, my boss's boss was in, um, from out of town, and she actually lives in like a totally different country. So all of our conversations with her are generally for email or through our boss. And I mean, she showed up like once a quarter and she was intense. She was a very intense person. And she called a very early meeting, like seven o'clock in the morning. Right. And I usually got to work around nine. Okay, so I'm already kind of out of my schedule. I didn't get my workout in the morning. And of course, she comes in in the first hour. She's like, oh, I need my snacks. Can we go down to the cafeteria and get our snacks? So we spend the first hour just saying hi, getting all of her snacks and this and that. And I'm like, I'm already annoyed. Okay, so I'm already annoyed. I had to be there at seven. And and, and you and I was already going like I think my husband was traveling. I mean, I was it was just a lot going on that week. And when she started to engage with us and we had our presentation and I started um, doing my piece and stuff like that, um, I was realizing that there was some like she was looking at me kind of strange. I'm like, what is going on? Um, But I kept on going. I kept on going. And I come to find out that um, from somebody who told me who was in the meeting, she's like, you just look pissed off the whole entire time, (laughs) just pissed off the whole entire time. And I was like, well, I kind of was. And I was kind of already in a bad place to begin with. Well, 
that being my only interaction with her, she took that that that's who I am, and she classified me as an unhappy person. And you can't uh, promote unhappy people at PNG. All right, it just doesn't happen. So I just spent the next eight months, basically, tell you know, convincing her that I was actually a happy person. So <laughs> I, I mean, I, I say that so you guys understand that it, there is sometimes consequences if you are not really conscientiously thinking about your presence and how you're showing up. And even though we all are human, we all have bad days. People will judge us differently based on how well that they're going to accept that about you, all right? Mm -hmm. So you need to know your audience, right? You need to know who you're talking to. And even if you're having a bad day or even if things aren't quite right or even if you're pissed off, you got to figure out how to, like, put that down and bring up and evoke. Suck it up. Yeah, Yeah, and evoke that that strength because it could be a big pivotal moment, like, you know, right? And so um, that was the one that didn't go so well. Or a non-pivotal moment that turned into one. Right. And you just didn't even internalize. Yeah. And then I didn't even realize. And I was like, well, that kind of, you know, is bad for me. (laughs) 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 All right. So number two here in the trenches is I have a tremendously hard time getting up in front of people and tend to psych myself out. How do I get better? So to the point that Anne just made, which is why I jumped right into this question, Mm -hmm. you really do have to get really good at the plan we've outlined and the things that you need to build in your presence and that you action against consistently every time, even when you're in a bad mood, all of those types of things. And if you build these skills, you will be able to turn it on when you need to. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I guess I should really say is know that you can get better. Uh, I've seen so many young people that I've coached over the years and, and they look at, you know, and to the earlier point made about, you know, you don't want to be put up on a pedestal, but you do that when you're younger and you're earlier in your career. And you look at people and you think, I'm never going to be that, right? And so I think that that can lead to paralysis right from the beginning. And then on top of it, if you're not in situations where you are presenting regularly, it can be hard to build your presence very quickly. And so first of all, you can get better. You absolutely can get better. You have to learn to live in the nuances of what we've talked about today and how to learn your triggers and identify them and stop them when they start and all the things that we've talked about. But if you do keep doing it and then you keep elevating the situations you do it in, you automatically just get better at it. And then your presence becomes the things we've talked about around authenticity and you've been around the block and you have things to pull from. You've been doing it all these years. You can't just cop out. And I guess like, I've seen that too, right? Where people just say, I'm not good at this. I don't like being in front of people. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to opt out of that. And if you opt out of that, you're opting out of the opportunities in your career. Because if you can't get better at this, if you can't show up with presence, you will reach a point in your career and go no further. It, it just it just is what it is. And so I think for those people out there that are saying, I have a hard time, we've talked so much on this podcast about breaking it down and, you know, tackling one thing at a time and doing something every day. I mean, all those habits apply in addition to the steps that we have outlined here that are more of the, you know, really tried and true ways to show up with with presence. And so um, I guess I, I just, you know, I think it's kind of foolproof. If you follow what we've talked about today and then you just keep doing it, you'll get better. Carrie, thoughts? You know, Yes, yes, so many. So Brene Brown uh, (laughs) talks about embracing the suck. And (laughs) I love it so much because when you do anything for the first time, you have this grandiose vision of how well it's going to go and how amazing it's going to be. And then you get up to the ledge and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I... (laughs) How am I going to do this? So true. And so if you're if you're someone that struggles with getting on stage or getting on camera or whatever, you know what? You know, you know what the key is to anyone's success story? And I have interviewed millionaires and billionaires and celebrities. It is the willingness to get uncomfortable to achieve a desired result. Yep. Mm-hmm. So look, you want to make an impact. You want to build a personal brand. You want to make a, you know, a seven, eight figure business, whatever your desire is. Look, it all comes down to you being willing to get uncomfortable every day. Video is a muscle. Mm -hmm. The more you use it, the easier it gets. When I used to get, I've always been comfortable on on stage, uh, thankfully, but I would go down rabbit holes where I would totally forget what I was saying. And I was like, holy crap, what am I going to do? 
And so I learned how to structure my talks. Mm -hmm. I learned how to give myself, I would never memorize. I have bullet points. It's what I teach our clients today. Like in the minute I had that structure, it then gave me more confidence in how I was going to deliver the content that I wanted to. So like, please don't look at anyone and just say that they're born with it. Like most people Mm -hmm. are trained for it. Olympic athletes don't become, they're not out of the womb and become Olympic athletes. They train and they dedicate themselves. So if you really want a desired result, you have to be willing to do the work, embrace the suck, be more committed to serving people than being perfect and, and just keep doing it. I mean, the more you do anything, the better you get. Yeah, Can I, you tell I'm passionate about that topic? No, uh-huh, not at yeah. all. Not at uh, all. Well, I think it's excellent. I think it's excellent, excellent advice. And I think I <laughs> and I'm one of the examples of somebody who's been able to uh, persevere despite really not liking it to begin with. And now, though, I found two ways to be able to to really cope and really show up well. And one is I visualize everything. So, and I've talked about this before, is like Michael Phelps, I mean, he is like the expert in visualization. He visualizes every single part of his swim from the point of like going off the block to the point of um, actually touching the wall. He knows every single segment of his swim, how he feels, what, you know, what happens when somebody's like in competition with him, um, if he's feeling tired, if he went out too fast, like he knows every single part. And that's what I do for every single engagement that I have that I anticipate going to have some sort of anxiety and going in to. And this happens days in advance where I, I, I think about how do I want to show up? What do I want people to get from me? What are, and I do the exact same thing. It's like, what are my bullets? So if I totally lose my place, yep. what's my message track? And what are the points that I want somebody to take away if I mm-hmm. forget the whole entire thing? And that's how I also structure all of my talks. So I think that's a really, really fantastic example. Uh, so th- the visualization is one thing. The other thing that I think I find really helps and this is kind of counterintuitive um, because when you get on stage or you get in front of a camera or you're in a meeting, sometimes you you tend to like shrink in. Like mm-hmm. you try to like push everybody else away and you kind of shrink in. I do exactly the opposite. I open up and I let everybody in because what I find, because I'm an energy woo-woo person too, is that when I can pull other people's energy, I can then embrace that within myself and then I can be with people. And that's how I think about it when I'm in, I'm in front of people or I'm in front of cameras like, okay, I just want to be with this person. And I just want, I'm just, we're just mm-hmm. all humans and we're just being with each other and we're just having a conversation. And that tends to bring my energy level down. But I think you brought up a really excellent point, April, in that you can't avoid it. And if you want to be able to do well and be successful in your careers, in just about any career nowadays, you have to feel confident um, in front of people, whatever that situation looks like. And actually, you know, we had a potential client um, who, you know, was just starting a new business. And we basically told him, hey, these are all the things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to network. You're going to have to go to these events. You're going to have to like share what you do. And he basically came back and said, you know, that might work for 99% of people. That's not going to work for me. I don't want to go do that. I don't, I just don't feel like I can do that. And we're like, well, then I don't think we can help you because this is actually something that's so critical and so fundamental Mm -hmm. to your success that if you're not willing to go there, we can't play around it. Like we can't like, you know, make it all this, like make up for the fact that you're not willing to go do that. And what's important to that. And there's a reason why it works for 99% of other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you're not going to be the 1% anomaly that's going to be able to do it by not being able to do this. So um, yeah, you can't, you can't avoid it. You just can't. <laughs> yes. It's like the people who say, you know what, I, I video's not for me. I'm like, okay, well, that's where everyone is right now. So you're going to have a really tough time growing your business. And, but I get it, you know, it's all fear. Everything is fear or love, right? So it's fear and we we're human. That's okay. But I, I say all the time that confidence comes from doing, not thinking, you know, we take these online webinars or we listen to a podcast and we get all excited we have all these new tools, but then we don't actually integrate and implement. So like you want to get good at something, get yourself on camera, do a video every single day, mm-hmm. you know, book speaking engagements do. I mean, when we can, right. It's like get on the bike every day. If you want to learn how to ride it, don't just sit at the bike or meditate around the bike or like see yourself on the bike. Like you do have to get on it and ride it. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Good analogies all the way through that one. I feel like, <laughs> um, and, and this, I think, leads well into our, our final in the trenches question, which is, I feel like so many people are putting on a show and it feels inauthentic. I don't want to be like that. What do I do? And I think we have talked, it's a good culmination of our discussion, I would say, because we've talked about the fact that 
if you are actually good at this and you're striving to be good at having a presence and the right presence, you do work at it all the time. Like, you know, you both mm-hmm. just said Michael Phelps or getting on the bike or whatever the case might be. You're constantly practicing and working at it. And I think those people that feel so inauthentic, number one, I think they probably got bad advice at some point in their (laughs) career. But number two, their belief is that they have to do all the things we said you shouldn't act a certain way, be perfect, talk the way that other people in this role talk, mimic other folks that they've seen over the years, you know, all those things that I think just become really bad habits. And coming from agency life, we actually had a ton of this because Mm -hmm. you want to be the biggest personality in the room. And a lot of people believe that that's the way to get a promotion or Mm -hmm. lead the charge or get people excited, all of those types of things. But really... And I've seen so many of them, I kind of started using the term caricature. These people became caricatures of themselves in the different situations. And so taking a step back and watching that over the course of my career and internalizing this question as it came through, I thought it's because those people reached a point where they thought they were really good at it and then they just stopped. Mm. And then it became a dog and pony, song and dance, all those different references. And it was not at all authentic to who they were. So you had your stage presence and then you had what everybody else saw when you were not on the stage and it just provided a complete disconnect. And so I think you've heard us talk a lot and given individual examples over the course of this conversation today about how we knew the things we weren't good at. We weren't going to just opt out and say, I'm not going to get better. You know, there's varying degrees on this conversation about, well, I was always comfortable on stage or I always like getting up in front of people. I didn't, but we've all worked through it. And I think we all feel good about what we present out there in the world today. And we continue to put ourselves out there and build ourselves and do those bigger, more uncomfortable things, be uncomfortable every day, all of that stuff, because we believe that there's a reason we're in these situations. Mm-hmm. You know what's coming up for me, ladies? Like, because I've been in the entertainment industry for so long, like I know of people and I've interviewed people that literally like they're so introverted. And yet the minute they get on stage or they become a character or whatever it is, like we have Sasha Fierce, right? Beyonce, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they, be, they become that superstar. They yep. become that it factor, you know, that, that we teach and talk about really turns on for them. But in business where we're talking, I really feel like congruency it's one of my most favorite words because when someone can see you in person, they can hear you on a podcast, they can watch a video and it's same, same, same. Like there's just a level of realness um, that comes across. And I, you know, I, I'm always telling people, go start your own show. That's amazing. Don't wait for someone to give you one. Don't wait to be discovered. Crown yourself an expert, you know, claim your space and all the things that we've talked about today on this show. It all comes down to who you choose to be. You know, if you need to download your Sasha Fierce to press record or get on that stage, then you need to do what you need to do to step into who you need to be to have the impact that you want to have. You know, I think personally, in my experience working with people like Lisa Nichols and uh, Allie Brown and David Nagel, like who you see is who they are. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, Lisa Nichols does turn up the fire on stage, but she is who she is. And I think congruency is just really important. And the only way you get there is what we just talked about is practicing and getting rid of the veneer. I tell you, I've worked with people who their coach was like, just smile more. I'm like, no, no, (laughs) no, do not do that. Because I think what's so important, and this is why people feel like it's a show, is that there's no, it's a fancy word here, so go with, there's no state elicitation. You're talking about things that are painful with a smile on your face, or you're talking about something really joyful and you look like, you know, you just lost your best friend. So it's like, you have to be able yourself to be a conduit of energy because whether you're on stage or you're on camera, it is a conduit to emotion, right? Everything that we do is emotionally based. So if you want to make an impact, if you want to have a great presence, you need to feel what it is that you're saying, not just talking about what it is that you're saying. And that is a huge disconnect that I see online and off. I think that is a a huge, huge, um, really important point and observation. 
because I, I and I want to make sure that you know people are hearing us too because we talk about authenticity and we need to be who we are. But there is an element, and I think you nailed it, Carrie, which is about style, right? Yeah. And and there's mm-hmm. an element of style or stylizing um, how you are in certain situations that becomes very important in making sure that you are working towards uh, your goals and in, in, in what you want to accomplish in your life. Because as we talk about our personal brands, and I, I take it back to behaviors and actions, your know, behaviors and actions are manifestations of your characteristics and your appearance. You dial those up and you dial those down based on your audience, which we said was a really critical part of, of understanding and knowing so you can be able to have those relational um, engagements so that you, because you need humans in order to do anything in this world, right? <laughs> and so yeah. it, 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 the, the objective becomes is like, okay, how do I stylize? then how do I like or you know move your behaviors and actions or flex your behaviors and actions so that you can get what you need um, out of the situation but not lose yourself in it but I, I just right. want to make sure everybody realizes like we're not t- you know saying that you have the permission to, to go out and be crazy you whoever you are in every <laughs> single situation that you're in no I mean there's an element of style and there's an element of understanding your audience and what's going to be effective and being able to translate you to that audience but it is really really critically important to make sure that in doing that you're aware of if you're trying to be somebody that you're not mm-hmm. right and and that and and, and because you have to, because you're right here I mean, I guess consistency play and if you can't feel comfortable feeling like that on an ongoing basis then you are pushing yourself way too far out and you're not going to be able to come off as being that authentic credible source yeah i mean i I think it's about being intentional yeah right Mm -hmm. and so I, i think that's what we're circling around here if you feel like you have to gear yourself up before you do it that's fine but it has to be intentional. Yeah, I tell people know. that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, bring out a persona. And like, I use a Sasha Fierce example all the time. I'm like, sometimes it just helps you get out of your head. Yeah. 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 All right. So that is our In the Trenches section. And our third and final segment is often a real world example of a brand doing things well or not so well, if it makes sense for the topic. Um, and when we have a guest, we hand this one over to them. So Carrie, I'm not sure there's a, a brand that shows up with presence well or not well. So feel free to, you know, tell us a little more about your business. Uh Give us an example of some situations where you think it went really well or and also make sure that you finish up with telling people where they can find you. But you know what came to my mind, I just have to say, is Spanx, who mm. does the brand ah, really well. Yeah. Like Sarah Blakely. Like, I love her because she's yeah. a little bit of a hot mess with her four kids and Jesse, <laughs> you know. But then you see her business. I mean, I yeah. just I enjoy following her. I really feel like she could be a friend. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's what does a brand well. It's and then you have your brands that are super couture that you don't even know there's no face. So yeah. I think that when you're looking at what what a brand does well, um, I think it really comes down to how you make people feel. And I think that's what a brand is. And I think what we do really well on Inspired Living is that we we really do inspire people. My team is so exceptional. Everyone who works with us is like, oh my God, like we feel the love. Like we mm. know that you care about us. Like, yes, you are experts and you're leaders and we are really good at what we do. But we do it with such a heart of service and compassion for others. And I have found, especially in this last year and a half, where we have all been, you know, at home online, we've doubled our business. I've hired more team because the amount of reach that you have when you're sincere and you're really good at what you do and you don't apologize for it, but you do it with a place of compassion and love. And like the more I give, the more we get. And I think that's what Inspired Living does really, really well, is that not only do we we teach what we teach from a place of excellence and knowing and all that stuff, but the way in which we do it is from a true place of love and wanting everyone to feel like they are able to build a brand of significant impact. And when they do that, the income will come, right? So the more you give, the more you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And and you did come up with a brand example. And I (laughs) I think that's awesome. I mean, we love Spanx too. And and I think it is because you see the whole life, not just 
the mm-hmm. polish of the brand and you know the grit and determination exactly. that was there to build it and you know that just that essence of authentically trying to solve a problem i mean all that stuff i think is the culmination of of what we've been saying and then i think too um putting good out there we've talked a lot about energy we all believe in it here i'm a big karma person but you know putting out good and getting good back mm-hmm. it's you know it's been around forever. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. But it works. And so I think it that works. that's amazing. And and when a business is centered on true service and that love of the clients and love for what you do, I think that's the perfect synergy. And you're right. People feel that it's it's impossible not to. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Yes. And I will say that we we host a masterclass. We're actually heading into one um, video confidence and conversion and we run it about every eight weeks or so. And I will tell you, like, the more I pour into them and the more people I help, the more clients we get in return. And I never worry about, no, that's so silly. I never worry about money. Hello. I'm a, I'm a human being. But I will <laughs> say that that was a silly thing to say, but the more, if I focus on growing the business monetarily, yeah. it's always a struggle. Yep. When I focus on how, how can we serve more people? How can we get in front of more people? How can we go transform more lives? I mean, it, it comes and it really is a, a great reminder of intention and and where you put it and where you put your energy. I think that's so true. All right, Carrie. Um, so we really enjoyed having you today. Real quick, tell people how they can find you before we wrap up. Yes. Well, you can always find me on social at Inspired Living TV. That is also the website. We have a lot of free goodies on there, like the B Studio Ready Guide. Everyone wants to know, like, how do I set up my home office and my home studio? So you can go to inspiredliving.tv. And also, we have an amazing uh, Facebook group. We have about 6,000 people in the group where I actually host this masterclass. And it's called Ignite Your It factor. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an amazing group of just conscious, amazing entrepreneurs who want to make a great impact and in income doing what they do. Awesome. Well, it's been great having you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Thank the show. Thank you for having me. Super fun. And just to quickly summarize how to show up, have a presence and make yourself memorable. Define why you, what do you do uniquely better than anyone else? Decide who you're talking to, who are you going to serve? Be specific and talk very specifically to that person. Look your most confident. And that means using your looks to help you feel your best and stop worrying what other people think. Treat this as though it is none of your business. And with that, we will say, go exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. Mention you heard about us here, and we will give you a free 30-minute consultation. You can also share any topics you want us to cover, which helps us give real-world support to our listeners in real time. And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend, and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.